The great reformer and theologian Martin Luther once considered what it means to pray, give us this day our daily bread. As Luther pictured it, when Christians begin their day with this petition, how wonderful it is to know that well before those words get spoken each new day, somewhere across town, a baker had already gotten out of bed and turned on the lights of his bakery at 4 a.m. As the baker sets up his dough to rise and proof before baking that day's loaves, he becomes the hands of God's own providence in answering our prayers for daily bread. Today on Groundwork, we continue our look at the Lord's Prayer. Stay tuned. Welcome to Groundwork, where we dig into Scripture to lay the foundation for our lives. I'm Daryl Delaney. And I'm Scott Jose. And Daryl, this is now uh, our midpoint episode, episode three of six on the most famous prayer in the world, as given to us by Jesus in Matthew 6 and Luke 11. We've looked at the early petitions of calling God Father and hallowing God's name, as well as in the previous program, the petition that God's will be done and the Father's kingdom come on earth as it already is in heaven. And then today we're going to look at the petition, give us this day our daily bread. And if you've been paying attention, you notice that we've been acknowledging God and focusing on God and we want God's agenda. And we have put all that before our needs. And this is the first place that the person who's praying gets to request from the Lord after all of that. Right. We begin with the big context of heaven, of our Holy Father, of our Father's kingdom, and now we kind of go to more of an earthbound matter on bread. So let's start, Daryl, just kind of by pulling apart this petition. Now, on the one hand, this looks pretty simple. I mean, in most English translations, this petition is just seven words. The original Greek is just eight words long, so not a real long line. But tucked into the original Greek of this line is a word that is found nowhere else in the whole Bible, except in this line of the Lord's Prayer in both Matthew 6 and Luke 11. Uh, And Daryl, you and I have both studied theology long enough to know that when you get a rare word in a Bible passage, scholars jump all over it to figure out what it means. Yeah, and that word is daily. When we look at this word daily, we just see a regular regimen of certain things when we think about it in English. But when you dig into it in Greek, it is very interesting what scholars have come up with. The Greek word is semeon, actually. If we give a really literal wooden translation of the Greek of Matthew 6, verse 11, it would say something like, our necessary bread give us today, or some might render it as, our sufficient bread give us this day. But near as scholars can tell, and you're never going to get unanimous agreement on this kind of thing among Bible and Greek scholars, but the word we usually translate as daily does mean something more like sufficient or necessary, And it carries with it the sense, give us this day sufficient bread to take us also into tomorrow. So we're not trying to get the Lord to give us this weeks upon weeks upon weeks or somewhere way down in the unforeseeable future. We're actually looking for the allotment that he has for us right now so that we can enjoy his sufficiency in the moment. Is that what you're saying? Right. Not the long-term future. Don't give us a year's worth of food today, but give us what we need to suffice from one day to the next. So there's a slight look to the next day, right? But it's the idea, we want to wake up tomorrow morning, so give us enough bread today that we'll be healthy and strong on the next day. So give us enough to suffice one day to the next. And I've been thinking about this, too, because, I mean, you know, we live in the already and not yet kingdom. God's kingdom has come because of Jesus coming here, but it's not 
in full yet. And so we see sometimes abundance on one hand where there's stockpiles of food. Mm. And then we see in the other hand, this prayer is actually the prayer of people who have nothing, who go to food pantries. And, you know, during this time when we had the pandemic, there was many people who lost jobs and lost food. And this prayer became the instrument that they were looking for God to fulfill because they didn't have everything they needed. Exactly. One day at a time. I think that is the idea here. And that that very much is consistent, Daryl, with what Jesus says a little later in Matthew 6. So the Lord's Prayer in Matthew 6 is part of the Sermon on the Mount from Matthew 5 to 7. And a little later in this same chapter where the Lord's Prayer comes, we hear these famous words in Matthew 6, 31 and following. So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things and your heavenly Father knows you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. And Jesus knows us so well. He knows that we're prone to worry, prone to wander, as the hymn says. Our hearts are thinking about, well, what are we going to do? And he hits it right on the head to help us to understand, first of all, our Heavenly Father knows we need these things. So we do not need to continue asking him. But he's going to take care of us and give us exactly what we need in the day, in the moment. And it reminds me, too, Daryl, of... uh the people of Israel, when they first were in the wilderness after the exodus from Egypt, and of course we remember that God gave them the manna, but with the exception of the day before the Sabbath, the Israelites were always told, hey, just gather up enough to get you from today to tomorrow, right? Don't stockpile it. In Exodus 16, it reads, Moses said to them, it is the bread the Lord has given you to eat. This is what the Lord has commanded. Everyone is to gather as much as they need. Take an omer for each person you have in your tent. The Israelites did as they were told, and some gathered much and some little. And when they measured it by the omer, the one who gathered much did not have too much, and the one who gathered little did not have too little. Everyone had gathered just as much as they needed. So, wrapped into this really short petition, give us this day our daily bread there in the Lord's Prayer, Daryl. There's a lot of biblical history. There's a lot of biblical theology. I think when we pray these very simple words, we're kind of saying more than we know most of the time, right? It's true. Sometimes we don't necessarily see when we look at it each moment that God is doing it. But when we look back, we realize that, like the scripture says, that I've never seen a righteous forsaken nor a seed begging bread. And God has continued to be faithful in the things that we have needed. But this prayer is designed to establish a trust between the Heavenly Father who is interested in helping provide what we need and our relationship to him. And I think eventually in this program, we'll wonder about how to understand this petition in case we are among those whose lives are so blessed that maybe we've never known a hungry day. Is it meaningful to pray for sufficient bread from one day to the next when, as a matter of fact, our pantry and fridge and freezer is stocked well enough for for weeks and months on end? As you noted earlier, Daryl, that is not true of everybody in the world, even in North America. Some people are living literally day by day. They depend on food trucks. They depend on food banks and the generosity of others to contribute money and goods to that. But a lot of people in this part of the world anyway, as a matter of fact, have plenty. 
And so how does this petition become meaningful for us if that's the situation we're in? And we're going to get to that before this program is finished. But first, uh, and coming up in just a moment, we'll ponder some of the spiritual and theological lessons of this line, Give Us This Day Our Daily Bread. So stay tuned. We're glad you've joined our Groundwork Conversation. If you're enjoying today's discussion and want to download or listen again, you can find the audio podcast and transcript for this episode on our website, groundworkonline.com. Want to dig deeper? You can also find episode guides and blogs available to supplement your study. Curious about another episode or series we've mentioned? Search our episode library to find hundreds of conversations about God's Word and what it means for God's people today. Add your voice to our Groundwork conversation by visiting groundworkonline.com. And thank you. Support from listeners like you makes Groundwork possible. You're listening to Groundwork, where we're digging into Scripture to lay the foundation for our lives. I'm Daryl Delaney. And I'm Scott Jose. And as we begin this part of the program, Daryl, uh, let's hear from the Reformed confessional document, the Heidelberg Catechism. The Heidelberg Catechism goes over the Lord's Prayer line by line in the very, very last section of that catechism. And here's what it says um, in answer to the question, what does it mean to pray, give us this day our daily bread? And here's what the catechism says it means. Take care of all our physical needs so that we come to know that you are the only source of everything good and that neither our work and worry nor your gifts can do us any good without your blessing. And so help us to give up our trust in creatures and trust in you alone. Oh, that's so good, Scott. And it's a reminder that it's not about what we can build for ourselves or what we can do for ourselves. And it develops a simple trust between creator and creation. That's us. We have to trust our God. He blesses our hands. And that's why we have the abundance that we share. And that's why we are called to share what we do get because he is the one that sustains us. You mentioned it near the end of the previous part of this program, Daryl. We're being called a simple trust which is what we see in that catechism line. It's all about keeping our spiritual line of sight clear so that we never doubt who it is that takes care of us day by day. It kind of reminds me of Psalm 55. Yeah, it says in Psalm 55, cast your cares on the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never let the righteous be forsaken. It also reminds me of Psalm 62. Yes, my soul, find rest in God. My hope comes from him. Truly, he is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will not be shaken. My salvation and my honor depend on God. He is my mighty rock, my refuge. Trust in him at all times, you people. Pour out your hearts to him, for God is our refuge. It's something that we prayed a lot where I come from. We remember he's the provider. We remember that he's the sustainer of life. So food could be a source and the bread that we're praying for in this prayer could be a source. No, it could be a resource. And God is the source with a capital S. He's the reason why we have what we have. And to build a trusting relationship with him is going to be healthy for our walk with him. That's right. When you source something, you have to have a resourcer, as you just said, and uh, God is that person. As those two psalms that we just read say, put all your trust in him, you people. Trust in him at all times, you people, Psalm 62 just said. So in other words, and I remember my, my teacher, Neil Plantinga, often said this, you know, when we think of archery or something, we think of a bullseye. We think of the target. You want to hit the target, right? Uh, what's the proper target for gratitude in the Christian life? 
God alone, we know, right? Some years ago, my wife and I um, were in those uh, forests just north of San Francisco where the majestic, giant California redwood trees are. And, you know, not a few people walk through those soaring giants and, and compare it to being like in a cathedral. And indeed, afterwards, we were at a coffee shop connected to the national park there, and a woman at another table was said to her companion, we overheard her, she said, this might seem strange, but I, while I was walking in the forest, I just felt like singing. And I didn't do it. But what I wanted to say is, to whom would you sing? Do you know to whom you would want to sing songs of praise about those trees? And maybe she knew, right, that the answer was the Creator God. But, you know, it's odd sometimes when people seem grateful, but they don't know to whom, right? I mean, as Neil Plank says, being grateful in general is being, like, married in general. <laughs> no, you have to be married to somebody. And so if you're grateful, if you're thankful, you have to be thankful to somebody, because thanks comes in relationship with someone, Scott. So if my wife did something for me and I thank everybody in the room, it doesn't make much sense to her because she's the source of why I'm thankful. And so if God is the one who offers bread, it makes sense to thank the one who gave you the bread because that's the relationship that the father has with his children. And he wants us to actually remember who gets the glory, who gets the honor and who gets the praise for the things he's done. Reminds me of the Apostle James, James 1. Don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of all he created. So every good and perfect gift comes from above. Don't forget that, James says. Yeah, and speaking of people who've forgotten that, there's people in the book of Acts that Paul went to go witness to in Athens that had a whole bunch of different idols and different gods that they wanted to thank. And he noticed that and he wrote about it in Acts 17. It says, for as I walked around and looked carefully at your object of worship, I even found an altar with this inscription to an unknown God. So you are ignorant of the very thing you worship. And this is what I'm going to proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by human hands. And he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. So Paul is helping them understand, hey, I know there's a lot of general things going on around here, but let me show you where the target is. It's the real God. Exactly. You know, I like to, so he finds this altar to an unknown God. I like to think that, you know, the altar had a giant question mark on it or something. <laughs> because the people in Athens had some sense, you know, we're trying to cover our spiritual basis here. we got lots of false gods, but we're not sure we got to the God who's given us everything. So we'll just, you know, put this altar to somebody, you know I mean? It's, it's like, I would imagine that they used to pray, uh, thanks for everything, whoever you are. <laughs> That's not a very uh, good way to pray. And as you just said, Daryl, uh, what Paul wants to tell them is what we would want to tell them. Don't say thanks for everything, whoever you are. This God is a name. We know who that God is. It's the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's the one who gives you every good thing. So that's the target. That's what you aim for. Aim your prayers at that God because he's the one who gives you everything. And Jesus tells us in this prayer to address that God is our father. Mm -hmm. And he is a good father and a good parent who knows how to take care of his children. And Jesus alludes to this in Matthew 7 uh, when he talks about this. He says, which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? 
Or if he asks for a fish, we'll give him a snake. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? So our heavenly father, he knows how to give good gifts. And bread is just basic on that list of good provisions. And he wants to give that to us. Simple trust in the Father. That's what we are uh, seeking when we ask for daily bread as part of the Lord's Prayer. And, and knowing to whom to direct our thanksgiving for such a daily gift follows right on that. Absolutely. But as we conclude the program, Daryl, let, let's consider some of the challenges we face in nurturing that kind of daily trust and gratitude. So stay tuned. What does it mean to be a Christian and a fan of movies, music, television, and video games? I'm Josh Larson, editor of thinkchristian.net and host of the Think Christian podcast. I invite you to join us for faith-filled reflections on pop culture. Visit us at thinkchristian.net or search for the Think Christian podcast, where we'll be talking about what it means to be a follower of Christ, even in the playful moments of our lives. I'm Daryl Delaney with Scott Jose, and you're listening to Groundwork. And we're talking about, in this third program of six on the Lord's Prayer, Give Us This Day Our Daily Bread. And we just said, Daryl, that nurturing a daily dependence on and trust in God, as well as expressing due gratitude when our daily needs are met, that, that's all caught up in this relatively simple-looking request in the Lord's Prayer about daily bread. But we did hint earlier in the program, Daryl, that for at least some of us, Not all of us in the world, certainly, not even all of us these days in North America, but for some of us, the abundance of provisions we have most of the time present us a challenge spiritually in terms of being able to see and feel all this gratitude appropriately. So, you know, when the Israelites were being brought to the promised land, they were warned about these things and they were coming into a place where they weren't going to need God initially for every single need because they were going to become people who farmed, people who planted, people who grew their own crops and and actually took care of their own animals and cattle and things of that nature. So Moses is going to warn them before they get to that place in Deuteronomy 8. And he says this, when you have eaten and are satisfied, praise the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. But be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God, failing to observe his commands, his laws, and his decrees that I'm giving you this day. Otherwise, when you eat and are satisfied, when you build fine houses and settle down, and when your herds and flocks grow large and your silver and gold increase and all you have is multiplied, then your heart will become proud and you will forget the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery." He led you through the vast and dreadful wilderness, the thirsty and waterless land with its venomous snakes and scorpions. He brought you water out of a hard rock. He gave you manna to eat in the wilderness, something your ancestors had never known, to humble and test you that in the end it might go well with you. So you may say to yourself, my power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me, but... Remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth and so confirms his covenant, which he swore to your ancestors as it is today. Bottom line of the whole book of Deuteronomy, Daryl, as the people prepare to pivot from wilderness life to promised land life is with great blessing comes great peril. Right? Yeah. Sure, when Israel had to subsist on and exist in a place of death— Pretty easy to remember. Hey, our, our lives are, are held by a slender thread that God alone holds. But once you get into a good and rich land, that's going to get a whole lot harder to remember every day. 
remember is the word that comes to mind when you think of Deuteronomy, because God wants them to remember who he is. God wants them to remember what he has done. And when you get into a place where, oh, the pressure's off and the crisis is off and the emergency is off, please remember who God is and who is giving you the ability to do these things. And unfortunately, sometimes in our lives, we can get to this place where we start looking around at the things we earn or looking at our paychecks or looking at the things that we have and say, oh, look what we've done. Oh, I must be special because I am able to, you know, it's like meritocracy, a false meritocracy. I've earned this. And here's the thing. God is the one that gives you the ability to do that. And that's what Deuteronomy says. And if we don't remember that, we can become very arrogant in our walk with God. Yeah. So comparing the wilderness to the promised land, you know, water gushing from a lifeless rock by a miracle of God, that's one thing. But water you scoop out of your own well, or today we'd say, you know, you just go to the kitchen, you turn on the faucet. That's quite different, right? God daily depositing the original wonder bread of manna on the otherwise lifeless desert floor. That was one thing. But bread you bake from yourself, or again today, you know, you go to the A&P, you buy a loaf of Aunt Millie's bread. Well, that's rather different, right? Miracle water, miracle bread from God, easy to make the God connection. Water from a faucet, bread from a supermarket, a little harder to make the God connection. Yeah, and so we have to actually ask God to keep our hearts sensitive and actually thank him for these things. So my family, we do prayers with each other before everyone goes to school in the morning. And we continue to thank God for the things we often take for granted, the food on our table, the clothes on our back, the roofs on our heads, the heat and the family members that we have so that we can just constantly remind ourselves those are gifts. Those are special. And not everybody has those things. And there are people who actually are asking God to help them because they don't see that right now. So if we're in a place of abundance, then we're called to be grateful and thankful. And to share with those in need, as you pointed out earlier in the program, too. So what can we do? If we have these challenges to nurturing daily trust and gratitude, what can we do? Two ideas, I think, as we close out this program, Daryl. The first one is to slow down. You know, so we live in a fast food culture in more ways than one. Not only can you get your food fast at McDonald's or Wendy's or Taco Bell, you eat it fast. And in fact, we have this habit in our culture to eat while we do something else, right? We eat while we watch TV. We eat while we're at the movies. We eat while we're driving. And so we don't slow down enough to say thanks before we take the first bite. Uh, and we don't reflect on the gift of food while we're eating it because we're doing something else. So slow down, right? Slow down. Take more time with our food, but take more time to pause long enough to say, thank you, God. You know, we, we call it saying grace, right? I don't know where that came from, saying grace, but it is that, right? Food is a grace. It's a gift. And my grandmother, she used to be the last one to leave the table every time because she grew up on a farm and she understood the importance of savoring the flavor. Mm. And so she taught us that we don't need to rush through and wolf things down, but we need to actually savor the flavor. And everything that God has given us, we need to learn how to slow down and savor. So slow down. That's the first suggestion of how to nurture this this daily trust and gratitude. Second idea, maybe we can exercise some care in this idea once in a while by purposely doing without for a bit. And traditionally, of course, this is the spiritual discipline of fasting. And, you know, we don't, Daryl, we don't need to fast for days on end. You certainly don't have to do it for weeks on end for fasting to be an effective way to recenter us on the God who alone provides for us. 
And fasting is a physical act for a spiritual reason. And so we we fast, we tell our flesh, we tell our bodies, we tell our appetites, you're not in control, you're not on the throne. Christ is on the throne and he is the one that's gonna show us how to live this life of gratitude. And so it's one thing to stop eating, but it's another thing to stop eating because you realize I wanna trust God more, I wanna focus on my spiritual needs first and foremost, and it's another way to thank God in our prayers. I remember Richard Foster, who had a very well-known book in the 80s on spiritual discipline, celebration of discipline. He wrote that when you fast, take the time you would use eating your peanut butter and jelly sandwich, and since you're not eating that, use the same amount of time to pray to God and recenter yourself on God. Because as we've said, Darrell, the idea is to remember that the reason Jesus taught us to pray, give us this day our daily bread, was itself a way to keep us centered on the Father in heaven who alone sustains our lives every single moment. And so I think any way we can uh, find to keep this a prominent feature of our lives is gonna make us more grateful as proper praise and thanksgiving get beamed over to God over and over again. Well, thanks for listening and digging deeply into Scripture with Groundwork. We're your host, Daryl Delaney with Scott Jose, and we hope you'll join us again next time as we study the fourth petition of the Lord's Prayer and discuss debts, trespasses, and forgiveness. Connect with us at GroundworkOnline.com to share what Groundwork means to you or tell us what you'd like to hear discussed next on Groundwork. Groundwork is a listener-supported program produced by Reframe Ministries. Visit ReframeMinistries.org for more information. Our recording engineer is Dodd Morris, and our post-production supervisor is John Reeder. Our senior producer is Courtney Jacob. 